0: Psalm 144, this is a psalm that celebrates God's goodness and the kingdom that he has established and continues to build. Psalm of David, blessed be the Lord my strength which teacheth my hands to war, my fingers to fight, my goodness and my fortress, my high tower and my deliverer, my shield and he in whom I trust, who subdueth my people under me. Lord, what is man that thou takest knowledge of him, or the son of man that thou makest account of him, Man is like a vanity. His days are as a shadow that passeth away. Bow thy heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains, and they shall smoke. Cast forth lightning, and scatter them. Shoot out thine arrows, and destroy them. Send thine hand from above. Rid me, and deliver me out of great waters. From the hand of strange children, whose mouth speaketh vanity, and their right hand is a right hand of falsehood. I will sing a new song unto thee, O God, upon a psaltery and an instrument of ten strings will I sing praises unto thee. It is he that giveth salvation unto kings, who delivereth David his servant from the hurtful sword." Rid me and deliver me from the hand of strange children whose mouth speaketh vanity, and their right hand is a right hand of falsehood, that our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth, that our daughters may be as cornerstones polished after the similitude of a palace, that our garners may be full, affording all manner of store, that our sheep may bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our streets, that our oxen may be strong to labor, that there be no breaking in nor going out, that there be no complaining in our streets. Happy is that people that is in such a case. Yea, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. Our text is verse 12. That our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth. That our daughters may be as cornerstones polished after the similitude of a palace. May God bless the reading and the preaching of his word again. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ... Even as the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians describes the church by means of pictures, the pictures of agriculture or the picture of building, so also David in this psalm puts those pictures before our eyes of the rising generation and he puts those pictures in our eyes over against the end of those who are strange pe- children. David, the shepherd of sheep and lambs. David, who had to flee for his life after he was anointed. David, who was made king, first of all, of Judah, and seven years later, also of Israel. A warrior king. A warrior king who drives out all of his and God's enemies, those who were dwelling in the land but had no right to that land. He extends the borders from sea to sea. This psalm probably was written later in his life with his victory over the enemies, enjoying peace. Although never perfect peace, because there is never perfect peace in this world, is it? Always, always God's people on this earth are going to have enemies, strong enemies. And they are called strange children. Children. Verse 7, send thy hand from above, rid me and deliver me out of great waters from the hand of strange children. Strange children whose mouth speaketh vanity in their right hand is a right hand of falsehood. And that same description is made again in verse 11. It is in the way of the destruction of those strange children that God's people are redeemed they are delivered they are helped they are blessed so david not only prays for the destruction of the strange children but he offers a prayer for all the children of his kingdom so we have before us a prayer for sons and daughters the church the rising generation Notice with me the desire. Second of all, the necessary prayer for it. And then thirdly, God's wonderful answer. So, first of all, the contents of the desire. David here is praying for the prosperity of the kingdom. Oh, the greatness of that kingdom. It is God's kingdom, isn't it? What a benefit that God would rule his people. But not only is there then prosperity, but also there is also the greatness of difficulties that may hinder that benefit that we have. And that's why he says in verse 11, rid me. Those Canaanites, those Philistines, those Moabites, those Amorites, rid me of those strange children, not only there, but also within the kingdom. Remember, he had to flee for his life from wicked Saul, which some of you boys and girls just heard about Saul last week, didn't you, in catechism? But later on in his life, he has to flee again for his life from his wicked son, Absalom. And David is really praying in this psalm as a type of Jesus Christ. Didn't Jesus Christ pray for Peter? He says, I have prayed for thee that Satan may not have thee. So that... We have children, sons, and daughters. Notice the prosperity. Our gardens may be full, that the sheep may be fruitful, that the oxen strong to labor, that there's no breaking in or stealing anymore, that there may be no complaining in our streets. Yes, the contents of the psalm is the prosperity of a peaceful nation experiencing God's blessing. So that the psalm ends, verse 15, happy. Blessed, happy is that people that is in such a case. Yea, happy is that people whose God is Jehovah. And of all, at the top of the list of all those blessings that he prays for for the kingdom, the top of the list, is strong sons and beautiful daughters. David is looking at all of the sons and daughters of his kingdom, isn't he? He's looking to the future. He's looking to the rising generations. And he has a request here that the sons and the daughters will grow up like plants, and like cornerstones, respectively. David desires sons that are like plants. I don't know what kind of plant he's talking about there. It's not really important. But here's a picture, boys and girls, in our mind. Sons growing up like the fields around us. Tall corn with big ears on it. Or we've got, otherwise, the other fields with soybeans in it, green and lush. Or if you drive through the country, you see the orchards with apples hanging on the trees. Or maybe still some peaches yet. What beautiful pictures. And now that picture is put in our eyes... For us to look at, especially now, the boys. The plants or trees, strong, virtuous life, vigorous. A deep system of roots digging down into the ground. If you remove some trees once in a while from your yard, you'll find out trying to get the stump out takes another big activity because they go so deep growing upward, upward toward heaven. Plants giving fruit. and Psalm 1, verse 3, which we sang from, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth fruit in its season. So what a lovely time fall is, isn't it? When we see these verdant fields or these tall trees uh, plants of corn, these fruitful trees in the orchard, a picture of our sons. It's a prayer that our sons will have a vigorous life. That means they're going to be strong. Strong to do battle. Strong so that they can fight sin and also then live spiritual battle. Isn't that what we read at the very first verse? Blessed be the Lord, my strength which teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight. Hands and fingers apt to handle God's word, for that is the sword of the Spirit, isn't it? We need that warfare, and we need strong men to do that, because our enemies are spiritual. Our enemy is sin, sin within us, sin around us. And then there is the devil and his whole host, and there is the world. Oh yes, we have a need for sons that are strong and vigorous in their life to fight sin, with that sword of the Spirit called God's Word. We need sons who are strong, <coughs> who are, have a resilient life. They need to be able to dig down deep in the waters around and receive their nourishment and with their roots down deeply in the soil, then the wind cannot blow them over easily. And boys and girls, that's why a Christian education is so important, not having the government try to teach you something, and why we continue to pray also as a congregation for our sons and daughters when they graduate from our Christian schools and they go to other colleges, whether called Christian or not. Lots of false teaching going on that so easily might sway a weak Minded young person. We need sons that have, yes, like plants, deep roots. Rooted in God and in his word. We need sons that have deep convictions. A deep love and faith in and for Jesus Christ. Roots that dig down deeply into Christ himself. Yes, we need sons that, like the corn, shoot up. Our sons growing upward to heaven, devoted to God, living in consecration to God. Not crooked sons. Not crooked sons like those who would go after the Philistines, or to Moab, or to Syria, no, they need to be pointed up to God, devoted to God with heart, soul, mind, strength. Yes, devoted. Yes, we need sons like plants that bear fruit. Much fruit. Much fruit for the glory of God, but also much fruit for the good of Christ church. I want you to notice that the prayer is that these plants grow up in their youth. In other words, that our, plant, our children mature quickly in their life. Because here in the world, there is an emphasis that, oh, our children should first of all be able to really sow their wild oats Enjoy all the things of the world before they commit to the church, if they even do that. The psalmist has a desire for boys who will grow up in their youth. That is, in their life, in their character, they show that they have an interest in the church. They have an interest in God and his word manifesting fruit so that they go to battle. Yes, battle against those sins within and from without. What good would be weak sons? We need strong sons in their youth so that one day they're going to be godly husbands. One day they're going to be godly fathers. One day they're going to be teachers or preachers in our churches or office bearers in the church church or wherever they are called to labor in the home or in the factory or the field, that they give a powerful witness of who is dwelling in them. In their youth, those of you who are farmers, you know that if corn is planted early in the spring and it remains wet and cold, that corn is kind of yellow. And it will really never amount to much. We need sons in their youth to be strong and vigorous, able to fight off sin, living for the glory of God, spiritually minded. And we have a prayer for our daughters. Because they also are important, aren't they? Just as valuable as our sons. And so where there is a prayer for our sons, there is also then a prayer for our daughters. And now a different picture is put before our eyes, boys and girls. Instead of now looking at the fields or the orchards, now we look around at the most stately houses or buildings, maybe office buildings that are built around us. And the picture there is of these houses. They're not the ordinary kind of house. Even as you drive down the street, you can see, oh, those houses are made by that guy who's builder. Oh, those houses are made by another person. What a difference. Well, we want our daughters to shine like the cornerstones that hold together some of these magnificent houses. For our daughters are important because they hold together the family and the home. Cornerstones. In other words, Jesus Christ is called the cornerstone, isn't he? He is the foundation of this building that we have in our mind. But of all the lively stones that we read in 1 Peter of, we're all lively stones being built up. Those stones are held together, the walls are held together by cornerstones. And why is it needed? Well, David knows that in his time, many of these young men have to go off to fight in the battles against those enemies. And when they're gone fighting those battles, who's going to hold together that family unit? Who is going to instruct those children when they are gone working or fighting? And the answer is these daughters that we pray for are that family unit that holds together that family by loving their husbands, by caring for their children, by caring for others in the church. Beautiful cornerstones, not uncut stones that you see laying around maybe on the street or on the sides of the road or in fields, but no, chosen stones that have been chiseled, have been shaped by the maker, beautiful stones holding the structures of our families together. How often don't we say what that young man really needs is a good woman there to support him and to push him so that he lives like a godly man. May our daughters be as cornerstones, polished after the similitude of a palace, that our homes may then look like God's house, A palace. Our daughters, beautiful. That is, polished. Literally, the word is cut. Cut stones like marble or diamonds. It gives that polished look and the rays of the sun beat on it. How beautiful. And the Bible tells us, doesn't it, what the beauty of a woman is. Proverbs 31 Or don't we have it, boys and girls, already in the story of Jacob when he flees from his brother and he goes to his uncle Laban. There's two daughters of Uncle Laban, aren't there? Rachel, who is outwardly beautiful and right away gets Jacob's attention. But Leah, Leah who is beautiful inwardly, having eyes like a dove, and through the line of which, of Leah, the Christ comes. How we need those beautiful daughters. We read in First Timothy 2 verse 9, Women also adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Those are those beautiful daughters. Or again, First Peter chapter 3. Whose adorning may it not be with outward adorning of pleated hair, wearing of gold or putting on of apparel, but let it be that hidden man of the heart, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which in the sight of God is of great price. Yes, we need daughters who are not looking for attention, but rather who have a meek and mild spirit. Those daughters, we read, are hard to find. But God, God has created And that's going to bring us into our second point, why we need to pray for that. But notice, before we get to that second point, Notice the contrast in this psalm: "Rid me of those strange children, those who don't love the Lord, those who are rebellious. Rid me of those strange children, O Lord. Our sons, oh, that they may be plants grown up in their youth, that our daughters may be cornerstones polished after a similitude. Of a palace. Prayer for that. Why is prayer necessary? Because, beloved, it is only God who is able to bring that about. Only God. We, by nature, bring children of wrath into the world. With dark hearts, alienated hearts. That's all we can do. Well God uses means. We'll get to that too. But it is God who has to create in me a clean heart, isn't it? Changing. Making those young men who of themselves would be foolish and weak, making them strong and dependable. Taking our daughters, who would not be fair and beautiful by nature, but he makes them beautiful. Yes, God. God causing that corn to grow up, causing our sons to grow up in, it, in their youth. God taking these stones and polishing them. Our daughters. Notice God does that. Not because we pray for it, but he does it in the way of our prayers. He knows his own. He will make them good and beautiful and strong. But he delights in God's people. Asking and they will receive. Knocking and it will be opened unto them. God. God alone. It is he who gives salvation. Verse 10. That's what we read, isn't it? It is he that giveth salvation unto kings. We pray to God because God is pleased to use means. And with means we can talk about the chief means of grace, and that's of course the preaching and the sacraments, but we can also use the term means, ordinary means that God is pleased to use and to bless. And what are some of those means? God is pleased to use godly parents in the home who pray for their children, who instruct their children, who are glad to have them in their home and show that joy. God is pleased to use godly teachers in our Christian schools that bring every facet of life underneath the scrutiny of God's Word. God is pleased to use His church. In the preaching of the word on the Sabbath day, in the catechism instruction, in the societies of the church, God is pleased to shape our children and to cause our children to grow up beautiful and strong through godly companions. Boys and girls who are your best friends, young people who are your best friends friends. Are they going to help you on the highway to heaven or are they going to hinder you? This prayer is necessary for sons and daughters because we do live in this world with strange children. Not only the wicked who are portrayed through television or magazines, we live in a terrible sinful society, don't we? a society that teaches the the very opposite of what God's Word says. We need strong men. We need beautiful daughters who live antithetically to those strange children. But notice those strange children aren't only out there in the world. Those strange children can be found in the church, can't they? The terrible, wicked sons of Eli In the temple. Or we think of David's son at the end of his life, Absalom, who wants to kill him. Or we think later on in history of those who didn't want to go back to their homeland from Babylon. Or an Esther who wants to be part of a beauty pageant and uh, adulterously lives with a king. Strange children from without, but also within the church strange children that don't follow the word of God but are influenced by the world and its society when our children go off to college we pray for them don't we we pray that over against some of the instruction that they're going to hear there or some of the people that they're going to meet there that they may be strong and upright in the Lord. And so the prayer read me. Deliver me from strange children, those whose mouths speak vanity, those whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. How we pray for our children, not just when they're little wee ones like that, but when they become young people and young adults. And even when they leave our homes in marriage and begin their own homes, we continue to pray for our children, our sons and our daughters. Don't we, like Job, prayed for his children? That they will be strong and upright sons, that they will be beautiful and connecting and uniting daughters. The church pictured as a verdant field or orchard. The church pictured as a palace beautiful corner pieces on it. It is necessary to pray for that because of our love for the church. Notice David is not merely praying for his own sons and daughters, but he uses the words, may our sons and may our daughters, and expressed in that word, our is covenantal love and concern. Independentism is a bad thing. When I was working with a man down in Florida, we wanted to see if they wanted to do evangelism. He says, I don't care about evangelism. I don't care about others. I just want God's word for myself and for my sons. That is not the spirit of the church of Jesus Christ, is it? There is a love for all of God's children and a gathering of all of God's children, not only in our generations, but also from those out in the world in heathenism that God may draw them in. Sons and daughters who will become office bearers in the church. Pastors and elders and deacons care for All of our children? Do you hear that boys and girls? Do you hear that young people? Do you hear that college students? Your pastor, your elders, your deacons care for you. You are important. You are important to every member of this church, to parents, to grandparents, to those who are single members, those who do not have any children in their marriage. We desire the good. We we desire the prosperity of God's church through such godly sons and daughters. And so it's really a prayer, oh God, give these sons and daughters to us. Oh God, create those sons and daughters for us in their hearts. Mold them, O Father, preserve them so there's not only thanksgiving in this psalm for those kinds of sons and daughters liberally given to us but also a plea it's a cry for the continuance of that blessings in our generations it's a prayer for the preservation of those sons and daughters i have seen in several of my churches Those sons or daughters who early in life looked good, looked like they were very promising. And sad to say, when they went off to college, or another went off into the workplace, they were easily influenced, and they turned away. They turned away and became agnostics and even atheists. O Lord, preserve thy church by preserving our sons and our daughters, that they may love thee, that they may walk in thy ways, that they may live for thee. Live antithetically in this dark, sinful world. Pray. Pray for our sons and our daughters. Pray for our rising generations Pray for the future of the church. As you love and as you cherish the church, pray for those children. For our text is a prayer, isn't it? It is a desire of David. And it is the desire, boys and girls, young people, of parents and grandparents and maybe even great grandparents here, is. vitally important. So we're praying for our sons and our daughters. We are thereby praying then for God's church. We're praying for our Christian schools. We're praying for our homes here. Spiritual, upright, strong, beautiful sons and daughters who resemble the architect who's building didn't I use that phrase earlier? You can go down the street and you can tell, oh, those homes are made by that builder. Ah, those homes are made by that other builder. May we as sons and daughters of God reflect the one who is building his church. Pray. Because God answers prayer. He does. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. That brings me then to our third point, God's answer. God answered David's prayer. God gave to him Solomon, a young man who was a strong plant filled with wisdom and strength devoted to God. No, not always so strong and not always so wise. He had many flaws, but always by grace there were and there are these sons and daughters who cling to God's promise. They're called the remnant. They are in this world like a booth in a cucumber field. God gave to David a son. A son who would sit upon the throne forever and ever. What a strong plant he was. His name was the branch. He was the root out of dry ground. He is the vine that has many branches and bears much fruit. David's prayer here in Psalm 144 is ultimately answered in his son, David's son, Jesus Christ. And it is Jesus Christ that the son of whom our text speaks, talks about. He was strong. He had life in himself, vigor, able to fight against his enemies, Willing to go to the cross, and he gave his life. Willing to lay down that life, destroying his and our enemies. Oh, how determined that son was. For we read of him in the Bible that he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he knew what waited for him there. A son who was preserved by God. When he laid down his life. Three days later, God raised him from the dead. What a branch he is, growing upward. What a beautiful building he is, the temple of God. And God has given not only to David, but he gives to all of his people that son. And in that son, Christ Jesus, he gives to us strong sons, beautiful daughters. In Jesus Christ, they have the power, they have the ability in their youth to grow up upward, to remain strong and united in love and faith, rooted in Christ Jesus there is faith, there is love, and there is obedient living. Yes, Peter puts it, we are all lively stones built up into that house of God. We are these plants growing up to bear fruit. We are this place in which the Holy Spirit dwells. Beautiful and precious, even as God's Son, Jesus Christ, is. God heard the prayer of David, and he gave Christ. And now God continues to hear the prayers of his church, and he gives those kind of sons and daughters in Christ Jesus. He has. Look at the congregation. Look at all the little ones here, and some still expected yet. Think of the young people that have come forward and made confession of their faith. Look at the godly young homes that are being built. God is faithful. God is good. God blesses his church. He answers the prayers of his church for these strong sons and beautiful daughters. And we pray that God will continue that work. Even as the psalm ends, so we will end this sermon this morning. Happy. Happy is that people. What people? The people that pray for the prosperous kingdom of Jesus Christ, and the most important thing in there is sons and daughters. Happy is that people that is in such a case. Happy is that people. God is the Lord. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank thee for the new life that thou hast given